Welcome to our online service for Renewal. My name is Adri, and I'm so glad you're spending time with us today. Today, you'll hear from Pastor Jared and our worship team. We hope that you leave encouraged and changed for the better. Before that, I'd like to share a few ways that you can get connected during and after service. During the service, you can engage with others in our online community by introducing yourself and sharing where you're from, sending likes when you hear something you agree with, requesting prayer, following along with the message notes, or filling out the connection card at any time. Keep a lookout for the online hosts because they'll share helpful information and get you whatever you need. We're here to help you grow and to take the next right step. So be sure to fill out the online connection card so we can stay in touch with you throughout the week. If you'd like to give, you can go to renewalchurchboston.com give to give at any point. We believe the church is God's people gathered and we're excited to see God work in and through you. Our worship team is about to start. And after the talk from Pastor Jared, I'll be back to share more about next steps. Enjoy the service. Howdy, Renewal Church. I'm excited you joined us today, and how about you join us in worship? Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, oh, I believe that you are my fortress, you are my portion, you are my hiding place. I
Promise still stands. 
God, we want to thank you for when we feel like there is no way for always making a way and helping us overcome the fear that we may have because of earthly things and showing us that no matter what, you'll never fail us. Thank you, God, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, thank you so much for joining us today. Before Pastor Jared joins us to share a brief message, we wanted to share a few announcements with you. Now, more than ever, it is so important to be connected. We encourage you to fill out the connection card that you will see on the platform so that we can help you take that next step. Whether you've been coming to Renewal for a few months, a few years, or if this is your first time visiting us, please fill out the connection card so that we can help you take that next step and get connected here at Renewal. Renewal, because of your faithful generosity, we've been continuing to bless families and people in need here in our community and here in Boston. If you'd like to give today, the easiest way to do so is by downloading our Renewal Church Boston app and giving through there. Today, Pastor Jared is going to share a message on overcoming financial failures God's way. Before he joins us, let's go ahead and spend some time in prayer. And after the service, we hope that you join us on our Zoom after party where you'll get to meet some people, see some friendly faces, and get to know more about the heartbeat of renewal. Let's go ahead and pray. God, we thank you so much for your goodness, God. We thank you for your love. We pray, God, that um, in this time we would continue to draw closer to you and learn more of who you are and who you are calling us to be, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, thank you for joining us online today. I'm Pastor Jared of Renewal Church, and we hope that you're going to join us live when quarantine is all over. But for right now, stay safe. And as they all say in all of our emails, we're all in this together. Today should be a lot of fun. We have a special song from one of our artists, Josh Riley, who's going to be sharing that with us. Before this is all said and done, I'm going to tell you how much money I make. And last but not least, we're going to be talking about how to have financial peace, how to overcome financial failure in your life. And I just hope that God is going to use this in many of your lives. Now, before we dig into the content about finances and financial peace, I need to talk to those of you who have lost your job or maybe you've been furloughed or maybe you just don't know what the situation is because I've prayed with many of you in our church and know that this is a tough time for a lot of you. And sometimes 
when a pastor talks about money and things aren't going real well for you in life, you think, man, I can't handle this right now. Like, I don't even have any money to manage, so this is not going to be helpful. Well, I want to encourage you with this thought that it's never the wrong time to do the right thing and that godly principles, when you put them in place in your life, they will always help you. So hang in there. At the end of the message today, I'm going to give some special guidance for you if you're in the middle of a financial meltdown right now. So hang in there as we get through it. Now, as we start, I wanted to share with you a shocking true story from one financial planner. Listen to this. He says, a client of mine opened up by telling me that he and his wife needed help with their money. Then he told me, my wife and I spent over 30 thousand dollars eating out last year the size of his family his wife his young daughter and himself not believing him i asked if he was sure of that to which he said yes my wife and i just finished going through our credit card statements for the year and he ended the conversation by sharing that he and his wife make good money but don't seem to have much left at the end of the month isn't that incredible i mean On one level, that's just impressive. I mean, you managed to spend $30,000 eating out in one year, but I think all of us can relate to that feeling where we, we check a credit card statement or we get to the end of the year and we think to ourselves, I need to make a change in how I manage my money. Hey, let me share with you another story from the other end of the spectrum. This one is from a librarian. Listen to this. Carol Snowden, a librarian at the Columbus Metropolitan Library, was known by her peers for her modest lifestyle. She drove a used Chevy, lived in a condominium, and was happy to indulge in little other than her passion for books. It was precisely because of this frugal lifestyle that she was able to accomplish something monumental. She saved over $1 million dollars donating all of it to libraries and reading programs she'd come to love. Now, when I hear a story like that, and I think about someone who's doing it right, I think, I need to change how I manage my money. Listen, what we're talking about today is so powerful because so many people are living on the edge of financial failure, and when you do, it drains the life out of you. But when you have financial peace and you put godly principles in place into your life, it sets you free. Listen to this verse from Proverbs. It says this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. When you are in debt, you are not free. And maybe you have student debt, maybe you have credit card debt, and you say, yep, I know that. I know that verse from the Bible is true. When you are in debt, you are not free. Someone decides where your money goes before it even hits your bank account. And you know that it, it follows you around like a dark cloud, that it weigh, debt weighs on top of you like stress. And sometimes it makes it hard to sleep or hard to eat. And you just can't seem to get out from underneath of it. But when you live with financial peace, then you are free. You're free to save. You're, you're free from the worry of debt. And you're free to be generous, free to be as generous as you want to be. Because so many Christians that I talk to have a heart and a desire to be generous. But sometimes it's the way we manage our money that keeps us 
from being as generous as we want to be. So today, we are going to be learning the, the secret that Jesus teaches to financial peace, and it all comes down to priorities. When your priorities are in place and you line up your finances with your priorities, you can live a life with financial peace. Now, I don't know whether you're going to be wealthy or maybe you'll be white collar, or maybe you'll be blue collar, or maybe you'll be something else, some other, some other kind of collar. But no matter how much money you have, if you put these principles in place in your life, you will have more peace, you will have freedom, and life is just better when you don't have the stress of money weighing you down. That's why I want you to turn in your Bible with me today to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at what Jesus had to say about money in his most famous message, his sermon that he ever gave is called the Sermon on the Mount. And he deals with money right in the middle of that because he knows that for people to live a free life, they have to address money issues. It's in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read that together in just a second. Now, before we do, I want to let you know we're in the middle of a series called overcome. And it's just this idea that God is going to overcome this challenge that we're going through with coronavirus and the quarantine. But in the middle of that, he is committed to helping you overcome the problems that you face every day. And I just believe God wants to get into the middle of your money mess and he wants to help bring life and peace into that. So let's look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter six together. Here's my bookmark. All right. Starting in verse 24, Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, a couple of things that I want to point out to you from this teaching of Jesus on money. Here's the first one. You get to decide, according to Jesus, you get to decide who is, in the, who is the first priority in your life. Jesus says you can serve God, you can serve money, but you cannot serve both God and money. There is one throne in your life, and you get to choose who or what sits on the throne of your life. And Jesus here famously uses the word mammon. Now, mammon does not mean ill-gotten wealth. Mammon is not the God of money. Mammon is an Aramaic word, and it just means material possessions. That's it. It's material possessions. So you can either serve God or you can serve things, but you can't serve both. 
And you've got to be so careful who's sitting on the throne of your life. Because if God is on the throne of your life, he says, I love you. I forgive you. I care about you. But if mammon is sitting on the throne of your life, it only ever says more. So you get to choose who's the first priority of your life, who is sitting on the throne of your life. And I want to talk to some of you today who have serious anxiety and money troubles in your life. One of the reasons you might be living like that, so burdened by debt, so anxious and worried about it, is because... I mean, if you're honest, it's not God who's sitting on the throne of your life. It's things. You're, you're living for things. You're living to get more things. And not only that, sometimes it's because you've confused your self-worth with your net worth. And so you're trying to, to get more money to tell you that you're successful or that, that people like you or that your stepdad was wrong. And you're trying to get money to tell you who you are. But the problem is money can't tell you who you are. Only your creator can tell you who you are. And if you don't have a relationship with God, you'll be trying to get from money what you could be getting from God. And it's like, no wonder your your money is so out of whack in your life. You're trying to get your self-worth from it. And so you're overspending or you're spending to feel better, all these things, and it's just not working. But God loves you. He cares about you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And in fact, God wants to have a relationship with you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that when you come back to God and say, God, I want to have a relationship with you, Your past, every single thing from your past, none of it can come between you and God because Jesus has already wiped it away. And if you want to start that relationship with God today, I'm going to pray at the end of the message a simple prayer saying, God, I want to start a relationship with you. I need Jesus to forgive my past. I need Jesus to give me a home in heaven. And I need Jesus to lead my life today. And if you pray that prayer, you can start a relationship with God. And man, get that thing right where you say, who's on the throne? Because when that's in place, Everything else falls into place. But another thing Jesus does in this teaching passage here is he deals with the number one objection that most of us have, which is, you know, he says, don't worry about things. And we think, you know, you know, if God, if I, if I stop worrying about what I'm going to eat and I stop worrying about what I'm going to wear and I stop worrying about where I'm going to get toilet paper from and I, I stop worrying about all these things, then God, what if I run out of things? And Jesus' point here seems to be, really what he's saying is like, guys, listen, you don't have to have a Bible degree to know that God loves providing for his creation. I mean, he provides for the birds. He provides for the flowers. He he will take care of you. And that reduces worry in your life. Something I tell myself all the time is this. God will give me what I need to live every day of my life, right up until the day when he doesn't but that will be the day that I meet him face to face. And when you can live like that and trust God like that, man, it kills worry in your life. Here's one last thing I want to point out to you from what Jesus is saying here. Toward the end of the passage, Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added to you. God's kingdom is something like what this world is if God were perfectly in charge of it. It would be a place of peace and justice. And it would be just this incredible place. So live for that. And then his righteousness means something like God's way of living. And what Jesus says here is if you put God first, then God takes care of the rest. It's the law of priorities. The law of priorities says this, 
When your priorities are right, everything falls into place. When your priorities are wrong, everything falls apart. And according to Jesus here, if you put God in first place in your life as your number one priority, everything falls into place, especially your money. I call that living a God-first life. And it means, what does it mean to live a God-first life in my family? What does it look like to live a God-first life in my dating relationships? And especially here today, what does it look like to live a God-first life when it comes to my finances? And so that's what we're going to explore for the, the, the last section of our message here today, is how can I change the way I manage my money to reflect a God-first life? But before we do that, I want to share a special song with you from one of our artists, Josh Riley, called Your Love is Strong, that I think just nails this point that Jesus was saying deep into our souls. Take a listen. Heavenly Father, you always amaze me. Let your kingdom come in my world and in my life. You give me the food I need to live through the day. And forgive me as I forgive the people who wronged me. Lead me far from temptation, deliver me from the evil one. I look out my window, the birds are composing. Not a note is out of tune or out of place. Walk to the meadow and stare at the flowers. Better dress than any girl on her wedding day. So why should I worry? Why do I freak out? God knows what I need. You know what I need Your love is, your love is, your love is strong Your love is, your love is, your love is strong Your love is, your love is, your love is strong of the heavens is now advancing invade my heart invade this broken town the kingdom of the heavens is buried treasure 
Would you sell yourself to buy the one you found? Two things you told me that you are strong and you love me. Yes, you love me. Your love is your love. When you see how much he loves you, it helps you to trust him. And when you trust him, you can put him first in everything. And as we finish the message today, we're talking about this. How can I change the way I manage my money to reflect a God-first life? Because here's something I know. If you hear this message today and you say, I want to live a God-first life, it won't do very much for you. You see, priorities are what you do. Everything else is just talk. Unless you change the way you manage your money, to reflect a God-first life, you won't find financial peace. You have to make some actual changes. And there's a lot of things you could do, and we don't have time to go through all of them today. I mean, you could save for the future. You know, Heather and I, we've been married almost 15 years, and we've saved since uh, the first year we were married. I was a youth pastor, she was in school, we were still saving. And we've never been rich. I, I promised I was gonna tell you how much I make. I make between what a school teacher makes and what a vice principal makes at a public school. And I, I hope that feels fair to you. But we, we've just never been rich people, but we've saved for 15 years. And you know what happens when you save for 15 years? You have savings, right? And so when there's not that stress, now if a car breaks down, it's not an emergency because we have margin. And you know what that does? It improves our relationship. So you could do that. Another thing you could do, uh, not only can you save, you could you could decide to know where your money is going. Take an accounting of your money every month and look through every transaction. If you're married, you would just do it together. And you would just say, where did every single dollar go and have a budget? In fact, you know, we have a free budgeting tool to help set godly goals in your budget. We would love to send that to you. Fill out the online connection card and just put a name and an email address and we'll send you that free tool for budgeting to you right now. But there is one thing more than anything else that is the way that you change the way you manage your money to live a God-first life. 
And that's simply this. And it's something Heather and I have done since before we were married. And it's this. I return 10% to God. The Bible calls it a tithe. And it's, it's a counter-cultural, counter-intuitive sort of thing. You might think, man, how do I end up with more peace in my life, more financial peace when I give money away? And it's simple. God wants you to trust him and he wants to bless you for trusting him. Listen to this verse from Proverbs. It says this, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. God wants to bless you for trusting him. And this idea of a tithe is what the Bible calls it. Tithe just means 10%. God knows that it's so hard for us to let go of our trust in money. In fact, did you know the founding fathers of America knew that it was hard for us not to trust money? In fact, it's so hard for us not to put our trust in money that our founding fathers in America put a warning label on our money. It literally says on our money, in God we trust so that we won't be tempted to trust in money. But God knew it would be hard too. And so he invites us in the Bible to test him in this one area. It is the only place in the entire Bible where God invites you to test him. Listen to what it says in Malachi 3. Bring to the storehouse a full tenth of what you earn so that there will be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord all-powerful. I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessing you need. God says, test me in this. And so we want to invite you, I want to challenge you to test God in this, to tithe for 90 days. I call it the three-month tithe challenge. And you say, for three months, I'm going to figure out what a tithe is, what a tenth is, and I'm going to give it. And at the end of three months, I'm going to evaluate my life and see, did God bless me? Did God provide for me? Do I have what I need? Because I've never had a single person take the tithe challenge and come back and say, oh man, I really regret that decision. Most of the time, we don't do it because of fear. And we just think, if I take this step, I'm not going to have what I need. But here's how it works in the lives of most people. You know, you just spend and spend and spend. You get to the end of the month and you think, where did all the money go? But if you take the tithe challenge, right when you get paid, you give, you return 10% to God. And then for the rest of the month, you spend and spend and spend and you get to the end of the month and you think, where did all the money go? But this time, you've given 10% to God and you have invited him to be a part of your finances and to bless you. Now, you say, when do I give? It's whenever you get paid. You say, is that before or after taxes? And I always say it's before taxes. It's a little bit like asking, should I get a half dozen roses for my mom for Mother's Day or should I get a dozen roses for my mom for Mother's Day? Don't get hung, too hung up on the technicalities. Be generous. And lastly, people always say like, isn't that an Old Testament thing? And I think, yeah, of course it's an Old Testament thing. But let me ask you, have we been set free from the Old Testament law so that we can do less than what it requires or more than what it requires? Is there any example of being set free from the law of Moses so that we could do less than that in Jesus' economy? No. That's why as a Christian, for us and for my family, the tithe is the starting point of Christian generosity. Because here's the thing, God... It's not about a percentage. It's not about a number. It's about God developing that character in you that is extravagantly generous. And that's what I long for in your life is that you are an extravagantly generous person. But you have to change the way you manage your money 
to, to, to reflect a God-first life. And when that happens, you're inviting God into your finances and you're inviting God's blessing into your life. And if you do that and you take that step today, in fact, I would love for you to fill out the online connection card and check the box that says, I'm starting the three-month tithe challenge today because we have resources for you and I wanna be praying for you and just kind of help you in that along the way. But if you take that step today, you will discover what literally millions of other Christians have discovered, and that's this. It is better to live on 90% of your money with God involved in your finances than on 100% of your money without God involved in your finances. It just is. And when you start reflecting a God-first life in your finances, you start having peace and the stress starts going away. Now, I hope you'll take that step today. I really believe that God's gonna bless you if you do every year. We have people do it and every year, people come back and say, I'm so glad I took that step because the excuses, they look a little bit silly in hindsight. But I wanna talk for just a second to those of you that are in a tough financial place. I promised you I would. And you've lost your job or you've been furloughed or you have no income coming in. And listen, I don't, wanna, I don't want you to feel like, oh man, I can't do this. You know, God's not gonna bless. Listen, listen, that's not our heart. But I wanna challenge you that there's always a way to be generous if generosity is what's in your heart. So if someone drops off groceries at your house, give some groceries to a neighbor, right? If you get a, a stimulus check that comes in, make sure you set aside a portion of it to give it away. There is never a wrong time to do the right thing. And when you do, you are changing the way you manage your money. You're inviting God into your finances and you are setting the foundation for a lifetime of wise financial living. Now, to end today, the last thing we're gonna do is I wanna talk to those of you who maybe, maybe God's not on the throne of your life. Maybe you say, I've been living for things and you've discovered that the more you loosen your grip on money, the more money loosens its grip on you. But the, the tighter you hold on to money, money holds a grip and a control over your whole life. And you say, I can't live for money anymore. I can't live for things or for possessions or stuff or to keep up with the neighbors. I can't live for money to tell me who I am or what I'm worth. I need God to be in first place in my life. Well, I'm gonna pray a simple prayer now. And I wanna invite you to pray along to start a relationship with God and make him your first priority. Let's pray. God, I need you in my life and my finances are the first piece of evidence that I need a relationship with you. God, would you forgive my sins and would you be the leader of my life? I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And so I wanna live for you and I wanna follow you. God, would you come in and show me a better way to live, a godly way to live? Help me to, to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And then I trust that everything else will fall into place. God, I wanna live for you. Teach me to follow you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you for joining us today. Hey, listen, uh, no matter who you are, whether you have just trusted in Christ for the first time or you've been following Jesus a long time, I wanna ask you to fill out that online connection card. We're asking more and more people to do that because we have no idea who's watching. We know how many are watching, but we don't know who it is and we wanna pray for you. So would you take a second and fill that out today? You can request the free budgeting tool. You can sign up for the 
the three-month tithe challenge, or you can let us know that you're trusting in Christ. Now, I hope I can see you back here next week because we are gonna be talking about overcoming discouragement. And I hope to see you there for that. Now, may you go, be blessed, be saved. Go in the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ who has been so, so generous to you. Amen. I hope that throughout the service, you were able to learn, grow, and be strengthened in your faith. If this was helpful for you, consider inviting a friend to join you online next week through a text message before the service starts. Before you go, we'd like to remind you to fill out the online connection card so we can stay connected throughout the week. If you're not sure about your relationship with God, we want you to know that God loves you and has an incredible plan for your life. If you want to learn more about starting a relationship with God, click the button for prayer requests and one of our hosts will be with you. Thank you so much for joining us and we hope to see you next week. May God continue blessing you and showing you more of his love, presence, and grace.